Hi, Chris Glynn here with the latest edition of Nightlight. My guest on the show today, speaking to us from his home in Scotland, is Stephen Strutt, author of Enoch Insights. We have a guest tonight on Nightlight. Steve, Enoch Insights was the book that inspired me to record the book of Enoch, which has had millions of views on this channel. Why do you think there's such a huge interest in the book of Enoch? First of all, thanks for inviting me onto your program. Nice to talk with you again. Yes, I would agree with you. I think there is a great fascination for the book of Enoch. And I think there's many reasons for this. But I think in modern times, a lot of people are asking a lot of questions. And they're realizing that we're living in a very confusing world where they don't have the answers to a lot of the basic questions of life. That's right. And they're finding out that the oldest book ever, the book of Enoch, which I reckon is about originally 5,000 years old, they're finding that the book of Enoch does have the answers. Not only does it have the answers, I mean, I myself, I knew nothing about the book of Enoch until about six years ago. Before that time, I read my Bible and other books, but I'd never heard of the book of Enoch, and I didn't know the Apocrypha books. But since then, I've come to study the Apocrypha books, and the most important, I would say, is the book of Enoch, to know the book of Enoch, because the book of Enoch not only talks about the watchers, as in the first 36 chapters, Yes. But it also, more importantly, it talks about the Savior, Jesus Christ. It talks about God the Father and God the Son. Wow. And there's only other, one other place that talks like that, and that's in the book of Daniel. Daniel talks about the same thing. So it's a very fascinating book for those who believe in Jesus and those who believe in the Bible and those who believe in the Old Testament. And not only the, this class of people, but also... Those who are hungry and looking for answers, because if you've been skeptical towards Christianity or anything, I would suggest you, please, read some of these apocrypha books, and especially the book of Enoch. Now, the reason I have written this book is to try and make it easier for people to understand, because many people have told me, I've read the book of Enoch before, but I put it down because I didn't understand it. I've tried to make the book easier for people to understand. Stephen, for those who don't know, who was Enoch. Where do we read about him in the Bible? Well, you can read about Enoch in Genesis, and you can also, you know, because he lived in pre-flood times, he was the seventh from Adam. Um, he was born 622 years after creation, and you can hear about it um, in Hebrews 11 as well. He, Hebrews 11, the famous chapter of faith. Yes. So it's mentioned in Genesis and Hebrews. Um, but sadly, I think it should be mentioned a lot more than just those two places in the Bible. Because when you come to study the book of Enoch, and you see what Enoch did and what he said, it's probably the most important things that were written down before the Great Flood. Right. And I'd have to back up the book of Enoch here by saying, the book of Enoch was my first insights book that I wrote about. I've since written another five insights books and i'm working on a seventh now wow so i'm going through all the apocrypha books but the book of enoch is strongly backed up by the book of jasher and the book of jubilees that's right and it's also backed up by my new book i'm working on which is the testament of the 12 patriarchs which is incredible incredible interesting these books they back each other up 
And the question is, why have so many people not known about these books for so long? One of your questions, I know, was about why was the Book of Enoch unavailable for a thousand years? Well, I was studying that again this morning, and it's a simple answer. The Book of Enoch was shelled for a thousand years by the Catholic Church because it exposes the fallen angels. It exposes the true origin of evil, both Satan and his band of fallen angels, and the church didn't want people to know that for whatever reason, but they didn't. And for a thousand years, you were not allowed to read the book of Enoch, or you would be burned at the stake. That's a fact. It's, um, Gosh. Yes, it, it didn't come back for readership to all of us until about 200 years ago. Steve, how do we know that the Book of Enoch was actually written by Enoch? Some scholars believe it was written at a much later date. I certainly felt when I narrated it that it was written by Enoch, but the fact is that no one knows for sure. How convinced are you personally that Enoch, who was the great-great-grandfather of Noah, was the author? I mean, that would mean this book would have had to have been brought by Noah onto the ark. Well, look, I just opened my book right now to chapter 82. This is what it says here. Chapter 82, verse 1. And now, my son Methuselah, all these things I am recounting to thee and writing down for thee. I have revealed to thee everything and given thee books concerning all these. So preserve, my son Methuselah, the books from thy father's hand, and see thou deliver them to the generations of the world. I have given wisdom to thee and to thy children, and to thy children that shall be to thee, that they may give it to their children for generations. This wisdom that passes their thought, and those who understand it shall not sleep, but listen with the ear thereof better than good food. There's one example there, one clear example where it's obviously Enoch talking. Right. I would say, as I did in the introduction to my book, that it's very important when you read the Apocrypha books, and here also the Book of Enoch. It's not actually classified as an Apocrypha book, the Book of Enoch. It's older than that. It's an old Hebrew book. It's, I believe it's the oldest book in the world, or certainly one of them, and certainly pre-flood. And I believe it's pre-flood for many, many reasons. The more you study it and the background, and I've read a lot of what other people say about the Book of Enoch too, I think we all agree it's a supernatural book. It's full of miracles. It's full of the impossible. I don't even begin to know how to explain a lot of things that Enoch was talking about, and I think it's very difficult for us in modern times to do that. All we can do is to keep reading it, researching, and, and praying, and seeing if we can get some answers. Shining bright in the dark night, you're listening to Nightlight. I want to make a point here that I don't write my books, my insights books, like I said, there are six now, coming on seven. I don't write them just from an intellectual point of view, even though I myself have been to two universities, but I don't write things just from a pure intellectual point of view. I write them by inspiration. Absolutely. I write them by prayer and inspiration, and I, I talk with God, I talk with Jesus, I ask them, what does this mean? And he gives me answers. That's the only way I can describe it. Um, some people call it prophecy, some would call it in some envisions. My wife and I, we pray and we ask God, please give answers to make it easier for other people to understand. Um, because others have told me they find it difficult to read the 
book of Enoch. So I'm amazed you've got millions of um, people reading the audio book. That's great they're doing that. The big question is how much of it do they actually understand? Good point. You know, I'm not saying that I understand most of it. I, I understand some of it, and some of it I've found answers for, but it's an endless joy to me studying the Apocrypha books. Don't get me wrong, I love the Bible, and that's my first love. And then after the Bible, I think people should know the Apocrypha books. Why do I say that? Because in the West, we don't realize that the Apocrypha books were in the King James Bible until 1885, and they were taken out. And that was a very, very big mistake uh, from what I can see, because the Apocrypha books back up the Bible and fill in a few details that are missing. Right. And it's very sad. We lost the Apocrypha, although, as you pointed out before, the Apocrypha is still in the Orthodox Bible and it's still in the Catholic Bible and it should, in my opinion, still be in the Protestant Bible. I think it's a big loss we don't have those Apocrypha books inside our Bibles. For me, I'm most convinced that the Book of Enoch is an extremely important book to which we should pay attention because it's quoted in the Book of Jude in the New Testament. Jude 1, 14-15 says, And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convict all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. And we can compare this with Enoch, chapter 1, verse 9. And behold, he cometh with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all, and to destroy all the ungodly, and to convict all flesh of all the works of their ungodliness which they have ungodly committed, and of all the hard things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Now, Jude, if I'm correct, was one of the younger brothers of Jesus. That's correct. So, obviously, the book of Enoch was endorsed by Jesus himself, as he wouldn't have allowed any manuscripts with false doctrines to be circulating in his family or in a circle, yet alone be quoted from in the Holy Bible. That's a very good point. I remember when I first read the book of Enoch, the very first verse grabbed my attention because it says, The words of the blessing of Enoch wherewith he blessed the elect and the righteous who will be living in the day of tribulation when all the wicked and godless are to be removed. And I thought, wow, he's talking to us who are going to be alive during the coming great tribulation and this book is going to be a blessing to us. Exactly. And that is one of the most astounding things I noticed when I first studied this book. I said, wow, this, the words on this page seem to be, what are they doing? They seem to be speaking to us. How, how could he know that? How could somebody who wrote this book know this thousands of years ago? But it's just like his, the words jump off the page. That was my reaction when I first read it. So, Steve, briefly, maybe you could outline the contents of this book that Enoch said would be a blessing to us who are living in the last days. Well, I'd, I'll give you readers just a, a quick rundown here. The book of Enoch, it's divided into five sections. And this is what academics and professionals say. First of all, you've got the Book of the Watchers, Enoch, chapters 1 to 36. Secondly, you've got the Book of Parables from chapter 37 to 71. Right. Then you've got the Astronomical Books or the Book of the Luminaries from chapter 72 to 82. Fourthly, you've got the Book of Dream Visions, 83 to 90. 
Finally, you've got the epistle of Enoch from chapters 91 to 108. That is the format of the book. Today, yes, we're going to work on this book of the Watchers. Steve, could you define for us exactly what a Watcher is? Is that another name for an angel? Well, first of all, I will read to you here from the Bible and the book of Daniel. I won't read the whole story. It's a fascinating story. This is from Daniel 4, chapter 4, about Nebuchadnezzar, emperor of the world of Babylon in that time. But God was going to humble him as a beast because of his cruelty to the people in his empire. And he's turned into a beast for seven years. Amazing story in itself. But I'll just read you verse 17 here. It says, This matter is by the decree of the watchers and the demand by the word of the holy ones to the intent the living may know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and give it to whomsoever he will, and setteth up over it the basest of men. We then have another verse in verse 23. Where is the king saw a watcher, and a holy one come down from heaven? Notice here when it says watcher, it says a holy one, implying you have both holy ones and evil ones. Interesting. So, where is the king saw a watcher, and a holy one coming down from heaven, saying... And I won't go into the rest of the story. You can read that in Daniel chapter 4. Fascinating story there about the abasement of the emperor of the world, Nebuchadnezzar, for a season. That's right. Now, it's mentioned there in the Bible. And it's also mentioned in this book here of Enoch itself. For example, if people don't know why we call it the book of the watchers, well, all you've got to do is to start by going chapter 10, verse 3. Although Enoch is describing this class of angels, watchers, he doesn't actually get into naming them that until chapter 10. I think that's correct, chapter 10. It says here, and I'll tell you in a minute what they are. Chapter 10 in verse 3. Yes, and on the day of the great judgment, he shall be cast into the fire and heal the earth, which the angels have corrupted, and proclaim the healing of the earth, that they may heal the plague, that all the children of men may not perish through all the secret things that the watchers have disclosed and taught their sons. So obviously these watchers here are not the same kind of watchers as I just read about in the book of Daniel. In Daniel it says they were holy watchers, but these watchers are not. So what exactly are the watchers? Right. The watchers were a high class of angel that God sent it must be very important people because they were sent to prophet Daniel and they were supposed to know human beings very well they were supposed to understand us they were supposed to mingle among us and be there understand our thinking be able to communicate well with us and unfortunately because it started off with 200 of them watchers going astray and it says they went astray before their rising in other words they were young interesting I, I have said in my book that I believe that those watchers that fell were young, like about 17 years old, with a sort of crash and burn attitude right. of whatever, you know, we'll see what happens. Uh, and as I pointed out that that's a dangerous age because 70% um, of people that are killed in car accidents are 17 years old, 17-year-old guys. That's a fact. So I believe that that is reflective of the fallen angels of the dare, crash and burn, do what you want attitude and you see what happened with the watcher class that did that. They were supposed to be watchers, watching out for mankind and watching what was important and watching what God wanted. Keeping mean really means to be on guard. But unfortunately, 
the watchers coming down here absolutely ruined the creation, unfortunately, thus resulting in the Great Flood. Switch off and switch on to Nightlight. Steve, I recorded the Book of Enoch in three parts, and part one, the Book of the Watchers, has by far the most plays. And I think people are very curious to know more details about the brief account in Genesis of the fallen angels marrying the daughters of men and producing giants. In your book, Enoch Insights, you compare the different accounts in Genesis, Jasher, and Jubilees. Maybe you'd like to read that page to us. It would also give us a feel of the format of your book. This is chapter 6 of the book of Enoch, but with my comments and with cross-references to other apocryphal books to beef it up from my book Enoch Insights, chapter 6. Okay. And it came to pass, when the children of men had multiplied, that in those days were born unto them beautiful and comely daughters. Comment number one. In Genesis chapter 6, as well as Joshua 4 and Jubilees 5, it talks about the same topic of the fallen angels coming to earth and procreating with human women. Starting with the Bible verses, Genesis 1 through 4. And it came to pass, when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, daughters were born unto them. Now the sons of God saw the daughters of men, they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit will not always strive with man, for he also is flesh, yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. Genesis 6 4. There were giants in the earth in those days. Also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men, though old men of renown. Yeah, you can think of Hercules, and you can think of other great heroes like that, of the gods. Jasher 4.16 And all the sons of men departed from the ways of the Lord in those days, as they multiplied upon the face of the earth with sons and daughters, and they taught one another evil practices, and they continued sinning against the Lord. Jasher 4.18 And their judges and rulers went to the daughters of men, and took their wives by force from their husbands according to their choice, and the sons of men, or sons of God, question mark in brackets, in those days took from the cattle of the earth the beasts of the field. Certainly men couldn't do what he's saying here. In those days took from the cattle of the earth the beasts of the field and the fowl of the air, taught the mixture of animals, one species with another. Horrible. In order to therewith provoke the Lord. And God saw the whole earth and it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted its ways upon the earth, all men and all animals. No wonder it grieved God as it is his heart and he wanted to destroy everything. Because the picture's a lot deeper than just if you read what it says in the Bible. You've got to know these apocrypha books and how deep the story was before the flood. How extensive the story was. Jubilees 5, 1 through 4. It came to pass when the children of men began to multiply on the face of the earth. Daughters were born unto them. that the angels of God saw them on a certain year of this jubilee that they were beautiful to look upon. And they took themselves wives of all they chose, and they bare unto them sons, and they were giants. And lawlessness increased in the earth. All flesh corrupted its way, like men and cattle and beasts and birds, everything that walked on the earth. All of them corrupted their ways and their orders. And they began to devour each other. And lawlessness increased on the earth. 
and every imagination of the thoughts of all the men was evil continually. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, and all flesh had corrupted its orders, and all that were upon the face of the earth had wrought all manner of evil before his eyes. And he said he would destroy man and all flesh upon the face of the earth which he had created. Verse 2. And the angels, the children of heaven, saw and lusted after them, and said one to another, Come, let us choose us wives from among the children of men, and beget us children. And Semyaza, who was their leader, said unto them, I fear you will not indeed agree to do this deed. I alone shall have to pay the penalty of a great sin. And they all answered and said, Let us all swear an oath. This is the watchers swearing their oath, the evil fallen angels. Bind ourselves by mutual implications, not to abandon this plan, but to do this thing. Then swear they all together, bound themselves by mutual implications upon it. The word Herman, on which the fallen angels landed, means forbidden and cursed. That's what the word means, Herman. Really? Verse 6. And these are the names of their leaders, Semyaza, their leader, and uh, the rest of them. I won't give their names. These are the chiefs of tens. How much more does the book of Enoch tell us about what actually transpired between the fallen angels and the daughters of men and the giants that resulted from their union? That is a very good question. I think for some people reading the book of Enoch and realizing the depth of what it's talking about, it is kind of scary. I admit that, you know. Right. Um, but I think it's important we realize we're dealing with spiritual warfare here. Yes. We're dealing with something that's still been happening, except most of it is invisible to most. There's a whole dimension to what happened with the fallen angels starting things off. I mean, look at this, chapter 7, verse 1. And all the others together with them took unto themselves wives, and each chose himself one, and they began to go in unto them and defile themselves with them. I'm bringing up a new point here. They taught them charms and enchantments, cutting of roots, and made them acquire, acquainted with plants. And they became pregnant, and they bared great giants, whose height was 3,000 L's, who consumed all the acquisitions of men. Now listen to this. And when men could no longer sustain them, the giants turned against them and devoured mankind. That's a pretty strong statement there. All right, well, well, I looked this up and I went to Steve Quayle to find out exactly how high is 3,000 L's. He says, you're talking about 450 feet high. Giants, 450 feet high. Imagine that for a moment. Imagine something that high. That's the Steve Quayle on his site. Uh, Steve Quayle, I consider the expert on, on this topic of giants and the origin of them. He's spent 30-odd years studying it. And there's another verse here from Baruch, another book of Baruch, which is another apocryphal book, 326. There were the giants, famous from the beginning, that were so great a stature and so expert in war. Those did not the Lord choose, neither gave he the way of knowledge to them. But they were destroyed because they had no wisdom and perished through their own foolishness. You can see that the giants, they perished through their own foolishness. Now, there's another factor here. If you go to this book of Enoch, chapter 9 and 10, the angels of God, they came before the throne of God and they told them, hey, down on the earth, everything's going chaotic. Uh, these um, watch angels, they've made a total mess. They've gone in unto the women and they've, the women have begotten giants and the giants are killing and eating people and destroying everything. What are we going to do about it? Yes. Right? That was the scene there. 
in this book. It's very exciting. The Book of Enoch is very exciting in this, this section of the Watchers. It is. Because it shows how great evil came into the earth. And I think people need to know this because, unfortunately, a lot of people think, oh, yeah, the evil happened because of Adam and Eve eating an apple in a garden and a little snake there. Yeah. Oh, and that's what they think. But that is, uh, <laughs> that is a child's play compared to what really happened. Right. Both in the garden, there's a lot people don't know. If you just go by the little chapters, couple, two chapters in Genesis, that doesn't tell you the whole story deliberately. It's fine as it is in the Bible for the sake of children. But if you know the whole story, it's much deeper. But it's what started in the garden, then 500 years later, the Watcher class, which were actually the fallen angels which are subservient to Satan, started doing the same thing that Satan had been up to in the Garden of Eden and worse. And that, they didn't even stop there. Look at this verse here, uh, chapter 7, verse 3. They began to sin against birds and beasts and reptiles and fish and to devour one another's flesh and drink the blood. Then the earth laid accusation against the lawless ones. You know, I used to think that, wow, God, it grieved God in his heart because of man and what man had done. I used to think, yes, man's been really bad. Uh, Eve ate an apple and since then they've been bad. But until I read the Apocrypha books, I had no idea of the depth of wickedness and horror that mankind descended into total lawlessness because of this watch a class of angels this watchers have decided to follow satan and come down to the earth and really unfortunately mess things up right even they themselves the watchers they had no idea how much they were going to mess up the planet their creation satan did because satan's idea from the beginning is one of destroy god's creation that's right that's what is important to understand unfortunately some people are sort of almost worshipping the fallen angels as, as gods. Or, and they've done that through history and idol worship. It's a big mistake going down any of those avenues. Those guys are not your friends. The fallen angels are in total rebellion against God. They have one aim now with Satan, destroy everything. That's right. Unfortunately, the influence of these uh, fallen angels and their sons of giants has continued from before the flood. Now, people have asked me this question, well, I thought the giants all got destroyed at the time of the flood. That's a very good question. Well, they did, but they managed to come back again. And I'll explain how they did that. Okay. The giants that were created from the fallen angels making love with the women on the earth. And I want to quantify this. It wasn't all the women initially that were subject to the fallen angels. It was the licentious daughters of Cain. You'll have to read about that in Josephus, the Antiquities of the Jews, book two. He talks about it in detail. It was the licentious daughters of Cain that were together with the fallen angels and they gave birth to these giants. Now, I think the Watcher class, they weren't expecting to happen what happened. They thought that their sons would be these demigods, superheroes, and they were, but they were twisted. They were depraved. They were sickening. And eventually, as you know, so you just study the Greek mythology, study Roman mythology, you'll find there were demigods and gods who then required people to worship them, make idols to them, and make human sacrifice them, and so has it been ever since then. And of course, if you go back to right after the flood, you had that horrible time with Nimrod and the Tower of Babel. You read the book of Jasher and, and Jubilees, and you'll find out that it was giants that helped to build 
the Tower of Babel. Massive giants. How did the giants come back after the flood? Well, these are fascinating topics. They are. And there is another side to it, too, that I would like to bring out that, as it says in the book here, why does it say they began to sin against birds and beasts and reptiles and fish? How can you do that? Uh, it sounds like transhumanism today, where they're trying to alter the DNA of animals and fish and combine it with humans. Indeed. Is there any evidence in the past that this has happened? There's plenty of evidence. You look in all over the world, you will find there are chimeras mentioned, all types of creatures, which is hard for people to believe in modern times. But just because they don't know about it doesn't mean they didn't exist. It's been relegated to mythology and, or worse, by modern science, but it doesn't mean to say they don't exist. It says it right here in the book of Enoch. Why does it mention this in detail? They drink the blood. And it says uh, when humans couldn't find enough food for them, the giants, the giants devoured mankind. You're listening to an international edition of Nightlight, shining God's love light to the world. I want to put to you another fact, because my books, I do a lot of studying. I like science. I'm not against science. I do a lot of science. I study a lot of science that's honest. I study a lot of history, uh, biblical history. I study a lot of books uh, in order to understand more fully. But I, I think that these topics given in these first 36 chapters of the book of Enoch are essential for people in order to know how the planet got screwed up in the first place. Yes. It's not what you're taught. It's not what's taught in school and university. Like I said, I went to two universities. I studied electronics, mathematics. I studied physics, thermodynamics. I studied languages and philosophy. I studied a lot of things. And I'm thankful for a good education. But at the same time, modern education is missing a whole dimension. Right. It only sees things from the point of what you can see, hear, feel, and touch. In other words, what's physical. They totally leave out the spiritual dimension. And without the spiritual dimension, you don't have a clue what's going on. That's the problem with modern education. It's not giving people the answers. There is God, there is the infinite, there is the creator who's created everything. There is order to what he does. And there are other opposite powers who like to bring disorder and confusion. Thus, as we see with this watcher class of angels who are under the jurisdiction of Satan himself. I would recommend people to read my book, Enoch Insights, to get some strong foundation of what happened before the flood. Yes. It's the same with my other insights books. My other ones like Josh Insights, Jubilee's Insights, Eden Insights, which just came out a few months ago, and, and Second Esdras, they all mention the things I've been talking to you about today. There are elements of the paranormal, there are elements of Christianity, there are elements of fulfilling Jewish prophecies in great detail. You have everything in these books, which I pe think people need, because unfortunately, I hate to say this, but I think that the organized religions have failed a lot of their congregations. They have failed to give them the true word of God. They have not helped them to expand their faith by learning more. They've kept them in a little tiny box of beliefs. Jesus saves, go to church and read this and just listen to what the pastor, but the people don't learn to stand their own two feet and learn directly from God himself, which is what he wants. Jesus wants people to learn from him. Yes. And when you read the book Enoch, you can clearly see it mentions the Christ, it mentions God the Father, and 
you can learn. There's no end of learning. I, I never get fed up with reading these, these books, the Bible and the Apocrypha books. I, I'd rather read them than anything else because there's no end of knowledge here. There's no end of wisdom. Like a candle in the night, it's nightlight. Going back to what we're talking about, how did the giants come back? Well, that's a very good question. But I want to answer another question that people have asked many times. They said, well, why, if the fallen angels or the watcher class that fell, what happened to them after they'd been with the women? Well, that's a good question. Because they realized the women would die. The, the women were temporal beings, while the watchers were eternal beings. Right. They stayed with the women, habitated with the women, uh, the scriptures say, for a season. But then they had a problem on their hands. They had a problem because God had said in the book of Enoch, he said, well, I'll tell you what. I want you to, you angels, to go down there and make it so the giants fight one against the other until they're all destroyed. Now, when that happened, other writers have said it, like Tom Horn, that the giants became the disembodied spirits of the giants, he calls them, the spirit world, the negative spirit world. It became the disembodied spirits of the giants. Interesting. And after that happened, all these spirits in the negative spirit world trapped there, they wanted a way out. And so they communicated with their fathers, the fallen angels, say, look, we need a way to get back into the physical plane. This is all in my book here in, in Enoch Insights. How can we get back into the physical plane where we can enjoy the lusts and the violence and all the things we're used to doing and all the perversion that we like doing? This is the, the disembodied spirits of the giants, which we call today demons, right? Right. So the fallen angels, they found a way to get these demons back into the physical plane and they realized that to make it easy they needed a body that was not made by God and that's when they got the idea to start making chimeras by taking animals and mix it with human DNA I won't go into the gross details of what that means and, and how they did that I won't go into it right now but just say they found a way to mix the DNA of humans and animals and fish and all kind of stuff and you ended up with all the amazing chimeras that are described in uh, mythology but the thing is it's not mythology it's real that has, <laughs> that's the interesting thing so all this that's why god was grieved in his heart and to say he want to destroy it all by the end of um brief lad times but unfortunately some of those giants managed to come back after the flood as incredible as it may sound, I know that some believe that, as it says in Matthew twenty-four thirty-seven, but as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be, that this will include the return of the giants, and they'll once again return to the earth. What do you think about that? Yes, I certainly agree with other writers like Tom Hoard, Steve Quayle, and uh, Robert, and many others who believe that, yes, the, the giants will come back. However... I'll quantify it. I don't believe that certain things are allowed by God until it's the perfect timing. That's right. I don't think we'll see these monsters, the giants and other things, roaming around the earth until God takes all his light from the planet. Uh, I might be wrong in this. You might actually see some of this as a fulfillment of the book of Revelation, where, you know, I uh, saw an angel come down, open the bottomless pit, and out of the bottom of the pit in Revelation 9 come some very curious things. And that might include some giants as well. So yes, we might see some giants roaming around 
in the tribulation or the last three and a half years that people on the earth which we as Christians do have to go through well I'm not worried about it that I believe that as we have command over evil spirits now if things start showing up in the physical well God will protect his own amen I would mention one other important word here and that is the word portals Enoch mentions the word portals all through his book amazingly so and now in modern times what does man talk about portals all the time all kind of portals that are some say they're doors to other dimensions i think that has uh, merit and i think that it is through portals that giants have been seen coming uh, as testified by the both the russians um, their special forces and also the american special force they have testified that upon occasion portals have opened where big demons have showed up and they destroy everything in sight and go back from where they came now i know that's fantastic it sounds like something else science fiction but you can look it up it's in records of the military what people need to do is i recommend to people you know as well as i do the last two years the powers that be and those who run the planet have been done tried to hoodwink people and into believing one thing when the opposite's true in many areas and we can all see it we can see uh, the, the planet is run by lies now the evil forces are, are taking over unfortunately and that's why it's important to have solid books like the book of Enoch that tell it like it is because why would anybody hide a book for a thousand years unless they're afraid right somebody hid this book for a thousand years they were afraid of the content the devil's afraid of it he doesn't want himself to be exposed and his evil force exposed that's what the book of Enoch does that's what I tried to do in this book Enoch insights is to bring it home to people how real it all is it's very real and but you've got nothing to be afraid of at the same time that's right if you know jesus and you're saved then take it as a challenge there's nothing to be afraid of yes i do expect that we will see all kind of monsters like giants and things mentioned in revelation 9 uh coming out of the bottomless pit yes but so what look at the time of moses look at the children of israel having to come out of egypt what they had to contend with you know, That's right. I think we need to get a bit tougher as Christians and believers and knowing we have a God who can do anything. God is invincible and we've got nothing to be afraid That's of. That's right. We should look forward to the future as a challenge. Nightlight, keeping you in tune with the times. Steve, I know we've just touched the tip of the iceberg compared with all that you could share about this fascinating, mysterious, cryptic, prophetic ancient book of Enoch. But we'll save that for another podcast. But listeners, you'll find below a link to where you can buy Enoch Insights online. And believe me, it's a fascinating read. Thank you so much, Steve. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Bye. I look forward to being with you again very soon for another International Nightlight Show. This is Chris Glynn signing off. God bless. God bless.